Welcome to Ticket to Gamehenge, the podcast that discusses the science behind how to get your friends and family to love our favorite band, Fish, as well as other fish-related topics from the community. You can grab a free chapter of the book at TicketToGameHenge.com. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Dr. K. All right, and here we are back at it again. Last week, I did not edit or uh, bring down the volume on my opening all right i went to do the edit that night and went, holy crap i forgot how loud that was but uh nevertheless uh we gained a couple subscribers in the meantime no big deal maybe next time each week i'll go louder and louder and louder of course um lots to talk about but i think what you know if somebody's playing the uh and i would recommend it to anybody especially if it's in the morning if you're playing the ticket to game hedge drinking game and you take a shot every time we say the word or name Trey, you're going to get hammered in the next uh, half hour, 45 minutes, because uh, this week is pretty much all about Trey. We have live music with a, with an audience and concert goers with tickets and, and, and lawn seats and chairs and stuff. So um, three nights at SPAC this past weekend, we've got two nights actually uh, tonight, the 22nd of June and tomorrow night uh, at, at the Beacon Theater. Uh, Trey's, Trey's new home away from home. Um, you're two out of three shows in, you mentioned just before jumping on. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about, I think, with these shows. Um, my mind is racing a little bit because I'm excited, right? It's almost like, uh, not like the movie trailer version of the tour. It's like something. It's a great, it's a great appetizer. I think it, it looks like it was a really cool experience for those that were able to, to uh, to actually go weather was great people were spaced out outside sounds like spec did some cool things uh, cannabis is now legal in new york state people were walking in openly with weed and, and and smoking it like it's just normal and that's kind of a bizarre thought considering the world we've always grown up in so uh yeah what are your early impressions you've listened to two shows i'm sure you've got some thoughts and some and some highlights well i really want to try ruby chocolate yeah, I've had ruby chocolate. It's actually quite good. It's really? got a different kind of texture to it. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we carried some at the store that I work in. It's good. It's good. I'm yeah, also I'm... newly I'm also newly fascinated about horse anatomy. We'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> That's good. fingers and the nails. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just excited. I'm excited. You said it right. You know, like I'm thinking about this and um, like okay. I'm, I'm probably never going to go back and re-listen to these shows ever. Never. Okay. And yet I'm beyond grateful that they're happening. And I'm, my favorite part is listening to the arrangements that Trey has come up with. And just like, you know, songs like Esther and... Uh, Maze. 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 Oh. Maze, of course, right? Maze and Fluffhead and the strings, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm really so. Um, uh, so far, my favorite song, and I can't. And they're gonna. I think Fish is gonna play it. Is um, I don't know the name of it, but it's uh, it's the I never needed you like this before. What's that one called? Oh, yep, yep. It's called. Um... I've never needed you like this before. It's from the second show. It's like the fourth song. It's right before Esther. What, am I looking at the wrong show here? Oh, yeah. yeah I'm looking yeah. at the wrong sound list. Yeah, you uh, yeah, it's called I Never Needed You Like This Before. Yeah, that song, you know, and, and, and then he was just so grateful to be able to play it because he wrote it like in his little closet. And I'm like, oh, man, 
there's just like some real energy behind that one. I'm like, I can't wait to hear fish. Mm-hmm. This one, you know? Yeah. I think, um, so the way it all opened up, it, it seems as though he wanted to open with alive again, which is completely fitting given, you know, he's alive again. The podcast alive again was just released days prior to that. And it really seemed like he's about to start. And then fans are chanting for Wilson and you hear, ah, fuck it. And right into, I was like, yes. So then, um, when a lot of people were asking on Reddit why people were apologizing before Alive Again, it's because they recognize that, sorry, Trey, we really wanted you to play Wilson. He's like, it's okay, no problem. And then got into it. Um, so you don't think you're going to go back and listen to it again. I was thinking about these shows as it pertains to this podcast about trying to get people that we know and love into fish. And I think that these shows might be a nice little gateway or stepping point for many people that might find fish in the whole band a little bit too much. You know, for those types of people that might be into Springsteen and Tom Petty, maybe John Mayer and, and just acoustic rock or even solo acoustic performers in general, singer songwriters. And um, cause I, I mean, there's, you get a great taste of fish in this show, but not the full thing. You don't get the full flavor. You know, you don't have all four ingredients, but you do get a taste of what it's about in terms of um, musicality and, and, uh, and you know, the gallimaufry of options that he provides in a show. So that's, you know, I think there might be something there. I don't know if there's anyone in your life that might fit that category, but I've got a couple that, you know, might say, hey, check out these shows, find them. And if you like that, it might be a good stepping stone. What do so- you think? I should clarify. I think that's a great point. I never thought of that. I do want to add before it escapes my mind, the other big takeaway, uh, because there's no, I mean, there is some jamming, but there's no, like, it's an acoustic guitar solo pretty much like with strings, everything's arranged. You know, there's very little room for improvisation on purpose, which is just the nature of the way that this stuff goes. I'm just reminded of how much I actually love the songs. Yes. Oh, like, I love the songs, like the short versions. I'm like, oh man, like what song did he play? It was a total 3.0 song. And it was a song that like, you know, usually gets shit on by most fans because it's got an awesome jam. And I'm like, man, this is just a great song. Number line? Or was Maybe. that the show? Maybe. I've heard number line. Number line was, I was listening to, I was listening to, I heard it this morning or last night or something like that. But I'm like, man, these songs are just so great. So- Turtle. Turtle in the Clouds is, I think, is is an acoustic tune. The way the way he does it, you know. But I, I, to your point, I, I don't know because you you don't get a. It still doesn't sound like the music that most people would listen to, you know. Like it still sounds like Fish. Mm -hmm. So it might be a good. It might be a good gateway. I guess we'll have to try it out. You know, I guess we'll have to try it out. And the other thing that I wanted to say is I'm going to listen to these forever in the sense that they're going to be played at my office all the time. Like uh, when people are coming in just because it's wonderful music. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not going to, when I say I'm not going to listen again, it's not going to be like, I need to go, um, you know, unless I, unless I want to compose music and study and study composers, right. For arrangements it won't be like oh you got to hear you know because they release like the those other jams like ruby waves like i listened to that 40 minute ruby waves like seven times already yeah yeah actually those are some pretty big releases last week for those vinyl fans they had um they had, uh ruby waves and waves from 2011 right may 28th from yep. bethel uh which was a great show that was i think a tour opener or um yeah i just kind of went through that a few months ago um yeah so when i kind of looked at the set list like i i think 
I don't want to get too much into night number three because you're still about to listen okay. to that. But you're you're in for more of the same. Um, no major surprises. That's what, I mean. that we had that's, what, that's what I mean. You can spoil the set list. I you know you kind of know what you're going to hear at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's okay. Um, I think you know there was a, a lot of a lot of songs that really showcased Trey's composition ability, uh, right? Like I did not expect to hear "Split Open and Melt." Um, especially considering that first episode of Alive Again, when yeah, they talked about it, and maybe I should have when he talked about how Jeff Tansky was learning it and playing it on the piano, I should have gone, ah, they'll probably bust it out. But it really, listening to that podcast episode and then hearing it just a few days later in you know the latest, freshest version of it really made me appreciate um, how eclectic uh, he, he has been as a writer. And it kind of put me in that, because that was played on the first night and the following too, it just got me in that frame of mind that these songs just keep pumping out of them, just keep coming out. And he's got this ability to tweak them, change them, fit the mood, fit the, you know, it was, I thought it was great. And some of the arrangements were just, the only word I could come up with were two words, pretty and beautiful. Like they were just, really really good and and i couldn't really spot many mistakes i think trey's the trace vocals on the on the first night were a little bit weak like i i don't know if it was just getting used to the to the whole thing but night two and three definitely came back a lot stronger thought he kind of cracked a little bit i don't know i think there's probably something different about playing the acoustic guitar sitting down physically being able to project vocally but then also you're playing in a different kind of mode and different kind of volume setting and you're not like charged up with the crowd and I, it's got to be something to do with that i don't know um but really really good it made me wonder um would you would, would you like to see the full band also playing with strings with some of these arrangements is that something you'd be open to like at a festival a halloween show tossing a, a middle third set on those special days to do a set with strings you think it'd be neat i think so they're like the ones with like horns and other musicians when there's extra percussion you know i mean it, it goes back to, to to you just i just trust trey like i i like him as a composer you know, forget like I love him as a composer, right? I'm I'm pretty sure he's my favorite composer this uh, that I've listened to in my life. So I would trust him to make it sound amazing. You know, no matter what the other instruments or no matter what other musicians were standing on stage, he would know how to get the most out of them. So yeah, of course, it would sound amazing. Yeah, like um, like I, it made me think about um, when Metallica did the Philharmonic, like the whole very different, obviously mixing metal with that. Um, and you, it's very almost you wouldn't you wouldn't think to mix that versus the strings very much fit a lot of these songs. But I wonder who knows who knows what they're thinking about for Halloween. It, Trey's clearly enjoying playing in that kind of a setting. I mean, the last what eight Beacon Jams, these three shows, got another couple tonight and tomorrow. You know, his last little bit of live playing has been in that sort of realm. So I'm sure the creative juices are flowing, and maybe it's breeding more ideas for new songs. We'll see. Well, well there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no might about that, you know. I know, I just frame it that way. Yeah, you know, like you, you get a guy. I listened to Alive again, by the way, the first episode. Thanks for that recommendation. I'm glad I did. It was awesome. Oh, cool. Good. Uh, he pretty much just writes all the time, forever, right? So, yeah, you know, the only difference between like the the only <laughs> the only reason there's not more compositional pieces on the newer albums is he probably didn't have. You know, like I'm sure before, you know, Junta was written, it was all time. Nobody knew who he was. 
Yeah. And he was just some kid in, in some college that nobody heard of. And he was, he had time to compose all these pieces together. Right. Yeah. Versus now it's more like on the fly and you know, it's hard. It would be hard to compose. It's hard because you can't, it, it involves a, uh, a level of depth that is really complicated. Mm. Mm. You can't just pick up your guitar and strum. You have to think of all the different sections. Yeah. Right. And you have to think like how he was talking about, you have to think both horizontally and vertically, right? If you stop, like he said, if you stop the, a good composition anywhere in between, it's making a chord that sounds good and it's moving the whole piece along the theme of the song. That's really challenging to do. Yeah, sure. I'm just um, was thinking about a couple things as you were saying that um, in the story in Live Again, when he's talking about Tony and teaching him new songs, like that, that, he, that he couldn't just give him the whole song because think about those those songs why isn't it done why do you have to add more like there's got to be all these all these sections um one of the things we've talked about in the past few weeks when sort of previewing shows was looking forward to uh you know trey and kind of where he's at and talking and uh reflecting on tony and there was a little bit of that but there wasn't a ton really just a just sort of a couple of mentions when they did first two at the end of the first night which uh caught me by surprise I, I didn't know what an acoustic first tube was gonna sound like that was pretty wild uh and then on uh and then on night two with what I think it was sand um yep. with the piano it sounds awesome yeah yeah really really neat uh other highlights let's see here in la josie wales um i've always loved that song uh we, we don't hear it a lot i've already mentioned turtle in the clouds i think it's a really really good fitting solo acoustic song um the theme from the bottom was good first night was all really good second night you called it out i never needed you like this before that is exciting i thought brian and robert sounded excellent after uh, esther like, 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 man, those, you know, those songs for me often at a live show are a bit of, okay, let's, let's kind of bring it down a little bit. It's a bit of an energy drop, but this shows had a bit of a different, different tone. I imagine most people were sitting most of the time, right? And just sort of chilled out and enjoying the atmosphere. Um, foam, I mean, really cool. Chalk Dust Torture was interesting on an acoustic. Free, I thought was interesting. You haven't gotten to that yet, though. Um, even Number Line, right? It's, uh, yeah, it was great. So I think you're really going to enjoy night three. Um, we haven't said anything about Paige yet. I thought it was really cool the way he brought out Paige uh, yeah. playing, after playing limb by limb. And uh, I, I, I was sort of spoiled because I knew that Paige was coming out. I had inadvertently read something and knew that. And when limb by limb started, I thought, why wouldn't he bring out Paige on this song? This song's perfect to bring out Paige on. But then it tied into how do you think they did, Paige? And that sort of corny joke. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and it really made me wonder night three if like Mike was going to come walking out and play along or something. But alas, uh, we'll take it as it is. And then they did a nice little, almost like a little like December set with Paige up there, right? They played a couple of those tunes that they put out on December, which I thought was neat. And uh, oh, I didn't mention Sleeping Monkey, which is uh, one of Tony's favorite songs. Favorite song. Yeah. It's funny. I don't love Sleeping Monkey. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I don't hate it, but I'm not like, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely don't freak out over it. Um, yeah, and you know, I guess my last thought on the shows really is around just the quality of Trey's playing. I, th I think there's got to be. I mean, you speak this better than I can. When, when, when it comes to playing an acoustic guitar versus an electric, and clearly we know what he's used to using, and the amount of effects and pedals and different tones he, he, 
I don't know if that's the right terminology, but he has, he has the ability to really change it up a lot with his electric Langadog. But on an acoustic, you're a little bit more, it's a different kind of lane you got to stay in. And um, whether it was strumming or picking along to the different different stuff, like I, I thought he sounded really, really good. Like you wouldn't have thought that that's not his main, his main axe, so to speak. What did you think about the play? You know, the, the more the more that I learn about him, you know, I, I, I think you'd have to label him as a as a composer first. You know, like I think I've I've watched and I've listened to enough Frank Zappa in my life to know a composer when I see one. I think Trey's a composer first. And what I mean by that is you can make anything sound like anything at this point, right? Like a company came up with a guitar, it's a MIDI guitar. So you have a MIDI cable that plugs into the guitar. You can put it through your processor. You can play keyboard now from the, like you pluck the guitar strings and it sounds like a keyboard. It can sound like a saxophone. You can make anything sound like anything. A composer is, in my opinion, and in my definition, is somebody who puts the song first and who puts the, who uses the tools around them to the maximum of their ability. Yep. Right? He's playing an acoustic guitar and it's almost like he's celebrating the fact that he has arranged this music to be played on acoustic guitar. He's not playing a languedoc. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to sit through, you know, these epic jams. We're just going to get the best sound of an acoustic guitar. So yes, I totally agree. He sounds awesome. Um, you know, and again, I think the, the biggest takeaway is just what kind of an excellent composer he is and how much he actually loves this music that he's, that he's creating and making. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's an interesting take. Is there anyone, I mean, obviously you just mentioned Frank Zappa. Is there anyone else you can think of that kind of fits in that category that you would consider a composer in someone more popular realm? Is there anyone that comes to mind? I'm sure there is. I just haven't maybe listened to them or maybe I don't think of them in that way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they came to mind. Maybe it's because this morning when I was looking at stuff, I saw a lot of posts because they're back at msg but foo fighters the way that dave grohl kind of does stuff with that band he writes everything he arranges it all brings it out of them i wonder though to get those guys in the same room we need to see him and train the same room talking guitar and music and stuff that'd be an interesting conversation sure it happened. like the yeah. you know we're at a we're at a point now in the world where um you know like i don't know I don't, I think the, the days of like sold out, you know, giant stadium and stuff like that for most bands is not going to be a reality. Yeah. Or like everything in life, it might make a resurgence stadium shows. It might be the band that comes along that can do it um, or will choose to do it, make it happen. I, I gotta imagine though. Yeah. With technology being the way it is, it, it'll be rare. It'll be rare for a single band to do it. You'll see festivals and that sort of thing, but Look at dicks. I mean, when you know when Fish does dicks for a full weekend, like that's a it's, it's a big stadium they're in. So I guess it depends. Um, but I mean, even you know, like even like Fish, like some of the, I mean, you pay more attention to to some to the venues that they play. But it seems like the venues, maybe this tour is going to be different. But it seems like a lot of the venues that they're choosing, you know, they're going back to to smaller, more more intimate venues to play like overall when you average yeah. out the tour yeah a lot of amphitheaters i mean and, and those are still anywhere from 15 depending on the size of the amphitheater anywhere from 15 to twenty-five thousand bands of course right hershey they, hershey they moved from the hockey arena to the stadium for right. August, but that's probably covid related right fresh air outdoors um yeah, yeah. 
we'll see. We'll see. Another question is, um, I guess, kind of going in an opposite direction. Years ago, I, I want to say it was 2013 or 14, uh, for one tour, Dave Matthews Band did a thing where they did, they opened with an acoustic set. And then, and they were always a one set band, right? They would just do a three hour, two, two hour, 45 minute set. They would do an acoustic set. So Dave was on acoustic guitar, like always. So no difference for him, but they had an upright bass and they had the acoustic drums with the brush instead of sticks um, it, and all that stuff. Would you want to see that from Fish, an acoustic part of the show? They've done that before, right? When was the last time they did something like that? How long? I don't know how long it's been, but there's definitely like parts of the, there's definitely parts where like the boys would play like acoustic guitar and they would all sit down, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Guitar Army. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know about that. But I mean, like the four of them, a dedicated set where it's just Paige and a piano, train and acoustic, fishing on like either bongos or, you know, and then Mike with either an acoustic bass or a full-on upright. Yeah, I think that would be, dude, I would see anything at this point. Yeah, I guess so. What's you know, the likelihood of something like that happening though? 0.0? 0. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen when they all get together and, and they're excited to play again, you know? So it's going to be hard to say. I think, look, the formula's not broken. I don't think there's a point in fixing it. Obviously, there's going to be the odd little thing here and there, and it'll build and evolve and grow. But I think, quite like, let's be real. We're in for a lot of the same. Well, that's how I'm taking it. That's like, yeah. I don't, I don't picture them all of a sudden doing something completely different. Um, you know, cause it, it's not even just the formula. I think they have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So out of interest, I don't know. I don't know how much time you spend on social media, but Trey's daughter um, posted a let's settle this. Is it 4.0? Yes or no. Okay. The votes, the votes it's close, man. It was okay. like 53. Yes. And like, 47 no well yeah we've talked about this before i mean look at the criteria it, 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 it's all made up all of it so 100%. but the difference here is a collective yeah we are taking time off we need a break we are doing other things yes this was the you know the COVID nineteen wedged its way. It was the Yoko Ono of fish, right? But we can divorce COVID nineteen, right? Yoko stuck around and kept the Beatles broken up. COVID 19s not so. But the break in between, it, it, there's a natural. So I get the debate. I really do. And it and it was definitely fueled by Trey's post about his new guitar, <laughs> the 4.0 Koa. So on purpose. Yes. One of, the, one of the other things that was really funny yeah. about the about the podcast, you know, was uh, Trey's admission when they were talking about split open and melt. Trey's admission that he's pretty much trolling all of us, right? Mm -hmm. He talked about well papyrus and how it's uh, an atonal fug, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, I wanted to play atonal fugs for people. He's like, I got to put it around rock music, or nobody's gonna show up to listen. I don't. To so fugue. I wanted to ask you. I don't know what that means. And ever since then, I've heard what's the um. Uh, I think it's Wolfman's brother with smooth atonal sound. There's the lyric in there. And since hearing that, that lyric is really stuck in my head. What is atonal? What do you mean by that? So typically atonal, I, again, I'm, this is some of this, cause I'm learning composition. Some of this is yeah, like so, five. so if I get it wrong right now, but the way that I interpret that is if you play a, a major third, you get a major scale. So it's a major sound. Mm -hmm. And if you play a minor third, it's a minor scale. 
right? So the, the first distinction is, is it major or is it minor? But if you don't play the third at all, then you have atonal. Okay. Right, then it's not taking a direction. You can make it either major or minor, so it's atonal. And I haven't studied Guelph Papyrus to know if he plays that note or not. So that's, that's when I heard that, that's what I thought. And now a fugue is just uh, a, 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 um, a convention where a piece repeats itself and then it resolves at the end. Like, um, remember one bottle of pop, two bottle yeah. of pop? That's a fugue. Okay. You have the different parts on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Wow. It's a Guelph Papyrus. And then page starts. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. I don't think I really have much else for this week. Again, two more shows tonight. I got to imagine we're in for a little bit more of the same. Indoor venue, Beacon Jams. Interesting too, right? They advertise with these shows, you know, they want people who are vaccinated to go according by all accounts that I've seen, they didn't check anything at the door for anything. They didn't validate anything at all. So in terms of invasion of privacy, that's pretty cool. And yeah. they said that anywhere from five to 10% of people were wearing masks. Like it, it was just sort of very close to being back to normal again. And, and that's exciting, right? That's, um, that's really, really I would, it would be a, it would be a buzzkill for me. I don't know, man, I'm just putting it out there. It would be a buzzkill for me to show up and to like have to behave a certain way mm-hmm. at a live show when I'm used to behaving a completely different way. Mm. Okay. Like, I, like we're, we're those guys that like talk to other people and like hug random people and like meet people and, yeah. you know, and, 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 and that's important to me. That's part of my live experience. So I would have a really tough time behaving a different way. Yeah. Just seeing images of like, you know, like the lawn people were in groups in pods, right. It wasn't packed and, uh, but better than staying home. You know, so I, I listen, dude, I, 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 uh, I, my opinion for all this stuff is, is, is to each their own. You know, you gotta, you gotta kind of know what type of person you are. And, and if that doesn't bother you or phase you, even better, man. I'm mm-hmm. just saying it would bother me. I would be kind of bummed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. But yeah. uh, I don't think we're gonna have to deal with much of that by the time we get around to going. So <laughs> that's, that's a whole different story, man. Like we got, we got a whole different set of problems up here, my man. Oh God. Hey, quickly. Have you guys uh, reused your, um, your porch setup yet with the uh, screen, the projector? No. Yeah. I was no. wondering if you would have this past weekend, but it was good. It would have been, it would have been awesome. It's, um, it's just one of those things. It's a pain in the ass to set up. I what? Think I'm gonna... Took you 10 minutes. I know that's a long time for me. <laughs> That's awesome. And I can't do it. Teach Ari. Right. Their rooms first, man. Um, but then I think I'm gonna set it up for when like the the fish tour starts. Yep. We're close, man. Like, what are we now? Five weeks from tomorrow. Right? Yeah. And we should be getting a dinner and a movie announcement too, right? Oh yeah. It, oh, are we? Mm, I don't know. That's what was the last one? The end of May, one, the '93 show at the end yeah. of May. It was end of May. Yeah, I, I I totally forgot with new shows coming up and 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 uh, kind of wetting my. Oh, whistle. 
it's like we went from like you know we went from like fans hating on each other because they posted a pic of you know uh, a, a parted sky and then the people were hating on that to like so much content that like we're, we're overwhelmed with the amount of like we're complaining that we have too much to listen to yeah that's a good problem to have not yeah, the man. point of the day that's all hey did you listen to that uh, zapper show that i sent you not yet I mean, it, it's a full show yeah 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 then i will a lot it's not a full show it's like a bunch of shows it's like a three-night run oh okay it's probably on apple music if it's on spotify right I think so. Okay. I will check it out and report back in next week. Maybe we'll do an episode on how Adam feels about Frank Zappa. It's been a while. I mean, I listened to some Zappa when we were warming up to see, it was the first time that Dweezil was playing his dad's music. That was 2000, fall of 2006. My God, nearly 15 years ago. Um, so I was listening to some then, but apart from Fish's cover of Peaches and Regalia, not it much. Was, uh, it was pretty cool to hear how like, it seems like, Frank gave uh, gave Rift his uh, gruntled. I like I like that trade through it in there, you know. Yeah. His seal of approval. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he he would have been an interesting guy to have a meal with Zappa. Yeah. Doesn't sound like it would have been a lot. Well, again, you know, I think I think as as these little tidbits come out, you know, like I don't think if Tony Markellis put it this way, if Tony Markellis was, was Frank Zappa's bass player, right. Markellis would have lasted about 30 seconds. Right. With a guy right. like that. But, but if you're going to have a meal with Frank Zappa, wouldn't you want the Zappa experience? Wouldn't you want him to criticize the how you're how you're eating your food and how you're holding your fork? Like, wouldn't you kind of want to take that away to tell the story like, hey, I met Zappa and, and this is how it went? Because that's... Sure. But your story has the context of Frank Zappa is Frank Zappa mm. versus some shithead that just showed up in the 60s to hire these musicians to play this weird ass music and he was like questioning me when my song's done <laughs> right yeah. that's like you know imagine somebody showing up to your house and being like what's wrong with your bushes man and you're like who the hell are you uh that's called that's called a uh, stepmother that's uh that's what that looks like <laughs> Oh, it's funny because it's true. It's scary, but it's true. I thought, that, I thought that part was really cool. And I bet you must have felt good, you know, for Trey to be like, wow, you know, like somebody I really respect. And and the reason one of the reasons I want you to to listen to that is it's, you know, for at least the composed pieces, it's pretty obvious where a lot of the influence came from. Yeah. Uh, Trey as a composer, you know, so to somebody who you respect and are trying to emulate like even gave you you know his disgruntled yeah seal of approval that'd be pretty awesome well he cre well trey credits zappa with playing the greatest guitar solo ever ever played at that show he was at that changed his life like a yeah, bolt of lightning um, yeah really really neat cool okay well i will i will commit to listening to mr frank and uh i will report back to you yeah again it's it's one of those again my opinion um I really like the seventies and the late sixties stuff. It's almost like the dead. It's not like the, it's not that the eighties stuff is bad. It's just got, I don't want to, I can't even say out there. I just didn't like some of his instrument choices that he used in the eighties. Mm. Okay. You know? I don't know enough about it to have an opinion. So we'll yeah. find out. Cool. Yeah. All right, man, make your choices out there. Smash the like button, everybody subscribe, rate, like, comment, uh, share. 
That's about it. That's all we need from you. Yeah, you read. Okay, have a great week. See ya. You've been listening to Ticket to Gamehenge. In addition to wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, TicketToGameHenge.com, where you can grab a free chapter of the book, How to Get Your Friends Into Fish. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep sharing in the groove.